Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. <laughs> hello and welcome to the villain was right the podcast where we look at movies and tv shows from the villain's perspective and dare to ask were they really all that bad i'm your host craig fay and i'm your host rebecca reeds <laughs> and this week on the podcast we are talking about ant-man and the wasp we're back to our marvel stuff and this week we are joined uh by a fantastic guest uh, host of our sister podcast, I Hate It But I Love It, talented writer, fantastic comedian, funny lady, decent, wonderful person, Jocelyn Getty, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really love and appreciate the course correct on decent to wonderful person. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Decent. She's fine. <laughs> I mean, she's all right. Let's not, let's not get too excited about what's about to happen. She's not fantastic. Yeah. It's a bit she's of a her food, you know, it's just, it's fine. It's decent. <laughs> it's a microwavable pizza thing. You're going to warm it up. It'll get the job done. I was, I think what I was going for was all around decent human being, like, like just a good person. Like, cause all around decent human being has very different connotations. I feel then she's decent. Like it's, yes, you know, absolutely. <laughs> that's very sweet and I appreciate it. But I do really feel like we landed on something fundamentally truthful about me being a microwavable pizza pop of a woman. <laughs> Fundamentally serviceable, not really pizza. Uh, no, Justin. We, we love you, and uh, I, I just want to say, long overdue that you are a guest on the podcast. We are so happy to finally have you. Oh, uh, I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I love your work. I love you both. <laughs> we're going to have a great time today. Yes. We are going to have a great time. Uh, yeah, and we're doing uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and every time we uh, do have a guest on, we like to ask them, what is your relationship with this movie? Oh my goodness. Well, I think this movie is a true delight. I feel like this is a really lovely movie about found family and chosen family and the potential for second chances and how when all of us work together, we can really beat the shit out of a chronically ill woman who <laughs> is just looking for the cure for a, a terrible disease. I, I think, I mean, I love all of the Ant-Man movies because... The energy of them is sort of palpably different in a way that's hard to quantify, but it sort of feels like everyone involved in the movies is like, we know that what's happening in the Marvel Universe is very serious. We know that. At the same time, this is the adventure of a tallo smallo boy who sometimes will be tallo <laughs> and other times will be smallo. And it's going to be a little bit of a break for our brains and we're all going to enjoy ourselves. Are we good with this? Yes. So I enjoy it for that reason. And I enjoy that the world of these movies is so nice. But then what it ultimately culminates in, in this film is a villain who is in no way a villainous character. No. No, not at all. Yeah, I, exactly. And like, just to jump on that point, rewatching it last night, I was like, oh, I, I suddenly remembered what a breath of fresh air Ant-Man and the Wasp was because this came out, I don't know if it was directly after uh, Infinity War or like 
maybe Captain Marvel was in there first. I forget the order. But like I remember it being just such a breath of fresh air because everybody walked out of Infinity War being like, oh my God, you have traumatized us. Like you just killed half of these characters. <laughs> There's zero resolution to this story. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp comes around and they're like, yeah, but remember this is inherently a silly premise. Like this is, <laughs> this is a bonkers ass movie. And we are going to treat this like a real, real light comedy to the point where like, you know, Paul Rudd is in it, uh, but like he and he's a funny guy and is in many scenes outshone comedically by the supporting cast, which is so wonderful to see. That is very true. You're right. I really remember that feeling of Infinity War. Like the jump from that to this is, did you enjoy watching Spider-Man die in Tony Stark's arms? <laughs> what if someone rode a Tonka truck? What if? Oh, <laughs> what if Randall Park learns close-up magic? Wouldn't you like to see that? Wouldn't you like to see it? Um, no, I guess... it's still every time we bring this movie up, I am transported back to being in the theater <laughs> For Spider-Man and having not seen Infinity War yet, and I am having a psychological meltdown in the first five minutes of that movie because it's just like Tony Stark dies, Black Widow dies. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Screaming alone. Oh, it was the worst. Yeah, that was a that was the wrong order to watch those oh, movies. Oh, truly, truly the wrong order. Um, but I guess for those of you who haven't seen the movie, uh, how would you sum this one up? I would. I honestly think Jocelyn nailed it. You know what yeah. I mean? Just a chronically ill woman <laughs> trying to like fix herself, trying to not feel pain every second of every day. She comes in. We've got okay. What I love about this movie is we've got a char character trying to buy and steal illegal things. If you're stealing something and somebody also tries to steal that thing, equally bad. Okay, you're not the yeah. good person. You know what I mean? You're already stealing. So this girl's essentially trying to get some sort of energy core. All of this science is bananas. This is all nuts. This is all, <laughs> I, I'm like, I, turn it off. Turn your brain off. Turn your brain off a little bit. <laughs> so we're basically just following this chronically ill woman. We've got Ant-Man who is under house arrest. Um, yep. the FBI checking up on him, uh, somebody I am also going to be defending within this <laughs> podcast. And I think we've got the true, like the actual bad guy where it's like, this guy's kind of indefensible, which is, I can't even remember his name. Um, uh, uh, Sonny Birch played by Walter Goggins, uh, AKA, uh, Baldy McHairplug. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just put <laughs> down hair plugs. I just kept writing down hair plugs. <laughs> And it's just basically all about who's it, it's kind of like we've got these two uh, sides where it's like, which person means more this yeah. woman, this this th your mother that you left down in a hole and didn't try and get till you already knew it was possible to do, um, which is mind blowing to me. And then you have a woman that's in front of you that's trying to save herself actively. Yeah. Yeah, so like uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is lost in the quantum realm and uh, Michael Douglas has to go in to find her to get to get her back. And they somehow involve a man on parole who <laughs> could could stop, ha who could go to jail for 20 years and never see his daughter again. They're like, that's the guy that needs to be involved yeah. in this. Yeah, um, running around with us. Yeah. It's casual. <laughs> He'll never see her since daughter. 
her again, probably. It's chill. And we'll get to who we thought the villains of the movie are in a second. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. This week, it is Virtual Game Night. It is, uh, we've talked about it before. It's super fun. This is an online trivia that plays like pub trivia. Um, it is legitimately so much fun. And if, if by the way, if you're worried like, oh, I'm not a gamer or whatever, uh, good news. If you can click on a website, you can do this. You don't need to be a gamer. And it is just ridiculously fun. There's all kinds of uh, like cool, uh, cool topics. Like what, what, what ones jumped out for you, Rebecca? Oh, uh, you know me. I like it simple. Love a good emoji showdown. I'm down for emoji showdown. That's what I want to play it. That's what I like. Okay. I don't, don't make me no facts. Okay. I just want to see something. I know what it is. I love it. Okay. Love, loved emoji give, showdown. Give me that poop, uh, poop emoji every time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, they, and, um, even since we played last, they keep adding new categories to it, which is fantastic. So the game is always evolving. Um, they've added two new categories. There's a, a sequencing game called Missing Links and uh, a stats uh, and world records kind of game uh, called This and That. And you can decide what topics you want for your uh, virtual online game. Um, also, it it's like for everybody. Like if you have two people or up to like a thousand for a corporate gig or something like that, they can handle you. Um, it is all covered um, by a fantastic professional comedian, uh, Ollie. He's super great. He hosts everyone live, uh, so you don't have to fight with a computer if something's wrong. Uh, you know what I mean? If everyone agrees yeah, that this should be a, the answer. He's a charming dude. I'm just going to say yeah. it. He's a charming dude. You know, it's just a fun, you feel like you're, it's really tailored to you. You feel like you're having a really fun night with your friends that feels like something you would have done in the before times, <laughs> you know, back in the before times when you'd have fun. So if you guys want to turn your next virtual gathering into a virtual game night, visit virtualgamenight.live slash villain and book your completely free one-to-one -one demo and consultation. And when you're ready to book, take 20% off the price of any game night package with the code villain20. That's villain20, guys. Join over 6,000 other players who have livened up their Zoom calls by making their next virtual event a virtual game night. That's virtualgamenight.live slash villain and enter the code villain20 to take 20% off of any game night package. Do it. Let's talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah. So who did you guys peg as the villains? Oh, there's so many, right? Like, I feel like there's just like a lot of opposing forces in this movie, which is what makes it a great topic for this podcast. So we've definitely got the FBI, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's an opposing force. I would say a lighter one, more that you're one that's more understandable. It's kind of like your, your B plot of like, this guy's kind of chasing him around, what have you. You've got, yeah. So you've got the FBI, You've definitely got Ghost, our chronically ill woman. This poor woman. The entire movie, I'm like screaming in my head. I'm like, this, just let her do what she needs to do. Understand her. God Get damn it. Get this woman a cold compress. Yes. Oh, my God. And then we've got kind of, I think, the irredeemable villain is uh, is our sunny, like uh, our arms dealer, essentially, or our yeah. energy dealer. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I actually didn't even peg the FBI because I was just like, I've, I love Randall Park in this so much. I was just like, yeah, I just like it when he showed up and was trying to do things. <laughs> yes. I did. I, I put little Vs next to all the characters who were villains. It didn't even occur to me to do that to him because I was like, I like seeing him so much. It's true. And his energy in this movie is so administrative. Like at no point does oh. it feel like he, he poses any kind of genuine threat so much as he's like, let's all dot our I's and cross our T's and in two days we'll be going. Going to the theme park together. <laughs> he wants everything to work out. And he's disappointed in the way of a, a nice, gentle father whenever Paul Rudd doesn't obey the rules. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't clock him as a villain at all. But yeah, like for me, I think the main one was uh, Ghost. And and uh, Dr. Bill Foster, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, helping her as well. Like I kind of am putting them on the same same team. Mm-hmm. Is that who you pegged as the villains, uh, Jocelyn? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like you. Um, my heart just turned into a balloon every time Randall Park showed up on screen. <laughs> so he didn't he didn't peg as a villain for me. But, yeah, I would agree. Um, Ghost and then to a lesser extent, um, the Lawrence Fishburne character are the villains. And and also Sonny the arms dealer. But it's. The thing about Walton Goggins is that he's just played a villain so many times in everything forever that that he, too, in a similar Randall Park way, also doesn't register for me. Like, I can't imagine a point in this man's life where he wasn't a villainous character. I, I was thinking about a school production he must have been in as a child where everyone was in, like, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And they were like, I guess we have to make up a new character for him and he can be the town rapist. Like, this kid can't be a kid. <laughs> He's not going to be in most of the show, but we'll have him come out and wave. So when he showed up here to be like, I'm bad, I was like, you're fine. You're no risk. He gets cast as junk food in the grade three uh, dietitian uh, nutrition pageant. Yeah. Yes. This is the Earth Day pageant, and he's the concept of war. (laughs) Put him in the way back. Don't let him talk. It's a mean-looking kid. He's got hair plugs. Even this one. Eight years old with hair plugs. That's not right. Come on. This His adult life Mac, Ma, means the second time his hair has receded in his life. It's like the, t- it's like the tides, in and out. Uh, the one, okay, the one defense I will make for this character is I hate this idea of when whenever somebody like this guy's literally like a black market dealer, right? Like he's he is like dealing in illegal things. Okay. Why are people surprised when those people turn bad? It's like if you're buying something off of this guy, like if it goes south for you, that's also a tiny bit your fault. You know what I mean? It's like if you get like if you go to buy drugs, okay, and you go and buy drugs and you get ripped off and you leave, you kind of got to go, oh, just guess I got burnt. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll try again tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> I I'm going to take this up with the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think he's a good person and I don't think he's defensible, but I'm always surprised when people are like, what do you mean you're turning on me, bad guy? <laughs> yeah, well, and then even one step further on that is the his surprise at when he tries to screw somebody over in an illegal arms deal and it doesn't go his way. Yeah. Like, he's like, I can't believe you're fighting back about me screwing you over in an illegal arms deal. Like, it's just like yeah. kicking the can so far down the road of like, 
<laughs> like, how dare you betray me? It's like, yeah, but you betrayed me first. It's like, yeah, but I betrayed the law first. And like, <laughs> it's just like everyone's motivations get so muddled because it's like just betrayal on top of betrayal on top of betrayal on top of CD people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's just kind of like a cartoonish villain. I think the main one for me is uh, Ava or, or, or slash ghost. Uh, who is, uh, I, I wrote this down, all the cells in her body are being torn apart and stitched back together every day. Uh, and it's horribly painful for her as she phases in and out of reality. And I was just like, woof. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is, this is our, this is the person we're supposed to root against because they just kind of show up and took a thing. It's like, this response is what? I don't know why my head went to like somebody explaining their very real illness to you. Like, listen, like I have like stage four cancer and you're just like, oh, woof. (laughs) Just pull my collar. Mamma mia. Okay, Craig, you're not allowed to come and visit people anymore. Yeah, no. You talk to people when they're better. (laughs) But you're so right. I feel like the makeup and the production design teams are ghost to... (laughs) Obviously, we're visited by someone with a similar energy than than Craig when they heard about this character because they don't do anything to make her unsympathetic. Like, when we first meet Ghost, phasing in and out in that restaurant scene where, Rebecca, you're absolutely right the so-called protagonists of this movie have already done a crime and then are mad when someone gets in on their crime (laughs) but she shows up and she's phasing all over the place and it's so instantly you you don't think like oh there's a spooky villain you're like well that person's not well they're clearly (laughs) not in control of what's going on and then when you actually see her face properly She has that very funny kind of makeup design that I feel like makeup artists do with very pretty people and handsome people where they're like, well, we know that she's sick. We didn't want to make her look that way. So we just gave her a soft, nice gloss and a bit of blush. And the team was like, no, 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 she's evil. They're like, right. okay, so more mascara um, and more blush. And then just we made her eyes look bigger like a like a little animal. She's really cute. (laughs) She bats her eyes at you. You're going to feel bad. Is this correct? At no point do you look at her and not think like I want to pick you up and put you in my arms yeah <laughs> like I get that. home and I she immediately goes to bed <laughs> and is like writhing in pain as she sleeps you're like yeah no they're not, not mm, I hope the I hope the parole violator wins <laughs> <laughs> and like I, I just as well as her being so uh, sympathetic and like another thing is she wants to get this her, her thing is she wants to get the energy out of the quantum realm uh, in order to cure her thing, but it's sort of revealed later that that might kill Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Mm-hmm. But what I want to point out is, one, um, her and Lawrence Fishburne do not know that Michelle Pfeiffer is still alive. That information has never been relayed to her. It is not a reasonable assumption to make that somebody who has been missing for 40 years, 30 years, whatever it is, uh, and disappeared in a weird science experiment where people disappear to where they can never be found again, that she would be still alive, right? So, like, I think she's actually 
morally justified in being like, I would like to go get this medicine from the place you keep it, please. Like it's, I, I look at it like this is, this is my analogy for it, which is it's like if you knew that there was a, a, like a swamp and like there was a mushroom that grew in that swamp that would cure your diabetes and you're like, I would like to go in and get that diabetes mushroom, please. And then someone was like, no, don't. <laughs> My mom drowned in that swamp 30 years ago and she might be alive. <laughs> and if you, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that made it any clearer for anybody. What we thought <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. If someone came to me and told me that I couldn't access my life-saving swamp mushroom because of the minute possibility that their mom was living on that swamp mushroom, I feel like my automatic response would be, well, we're both unwell, <laughs> but me in a way that's more tangibly fixable than you. <laughs> you seem to think your mom is living on a mushroom, but I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> yeah, and it seemed like they all really didn't know. They were like, it could kill her. And she's like, I don't care. I have to try anyway. And it's like, this whole thing's an experiment. This could kill you. This could kill her. This could kill anybody, right? So if we think this might go a good way for me, might as well try every moment is agony. <laughs> Let me try, right? Like, we don't know if it's going to work. We don't know if you can pull her out of this thing. Okay, I know I can try this because this is the theory I have right now. The Matrix man told me. Okay, I need to do this. <laughs> this is what I need to do. I totally support it because they don't know. Also, I'm sorry. That lady stuck down there for so long. I do not believe that she is sane. I just don't believe it. I, I, I was calling bullshit. Honestly, when I first watched this movie, I thought they were going to set it up where she's the villain. Because I was like, she's going to come out fucked, right? Like, you're going to come oh, out yeah. of that. There's no way I'm coming out of that proper. I'm not coming out of that like, oh, well, time for breakfast. Let's go about our day. Better remember to brush my teeth. Like, my mind's in a different place now. This doesn't, you're, you're possibly pulling a huge liability into a, a new universe, basically. Like, yes. I, I, I don't understand why this lady is wrong for trying to survive. <laughs> that is so true. I, I really did think going into this movie, like, obviously the person who played Catwoman is going to be the for real villain of this movie. And then when you find out she's been stranded completely alone for between 30 and 40 years, you're like, that's a villain for sure. Yeah. And... I'm not saying it wasn't hard for her, but I am saying there was quite clearly a Sephora and a food court down in the quantum realm because when they get down there, she's fine. Yeah, she, she's chill. Her skin is better than anyone's in this movie. <laughs> she has somehow been dining on nonstop delicacies, I guess just eating pieces of the universe because nothing bad has happened to her. But they have no reason to believe that. You're right. As scientists, they should have been like, someone who's been isolated for this long it's probably going to be a bit bad well and, and not even isolated but like isolated in you know the quantum realm which there's actually a really good line in this uh movie where it's just like do you just throw quantum in front of everything that you're saying <laughs> like they just call it out which is amazing um but like this is this is, exists in a world where like the force forces don't work or act like they do in the real world. Uh, there's more than th three or four dimensions. There's like 11 different spatial dimensions or whatever it is, right? Like there's, it's, it's absolutely so foreign to a human being that it would absolutely break your mind. 
And to be there for that long, you'd be like, what is up? What is down? What is gravity? Because I haven't felt that in 30 years. You'd be like a quivering mess as you got pulled out of that. That's true. I mean, Michael Douglas is down there for a hot five minutes before he goes crazy. So (laughs) multiply that times however long 40 years is, and we're dealing with a bad situation. Absolutely. She, I, I don't know. I just don't, I, I don't believe it. I'm like, there's a, I just, the entire time I was watching it, I was like, there's a twist coming. She's gotta be bad, right? <laughs> she has to be bad. Nobody can survive that, dude. Also, this uh, ghost, every, like, how your heart couldn't go out for this woman is beyond me. Because you're, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm terrible at being sick. But pretty much any time I'm sick... I'm literally laying in bed being like, put a bullet in me, put a bullet. I'm done. I'm done. I have a small cough. I'm done. I can't deal with this anymore. Your cells are being torn apart and stitched back together constantly. Yeah, no, I'd be you. I would be at least cranky. I would say I'd be grumpy. (laughs) Yeah. And, And like they kind of paint her like, I think maybe this is like her one villainous, uh, uh, aspect that they give her which is that like she's in so much pain and so desperate to live that she's pretty much willing to do anything but then they immediately backtrack on this and i love this that they included this scene in the movie it's her and Lawrence fishburne and she's like uh i forget the exact circumstances but she needs to get leverage over scott ant-man in order to like get the lab back and and stuff and she goes he's got a daughter doesn't he uh if we get to her, we can get to him. And Lawrence Fishburne is like, absolutely not. That's a line that we're not crossing. And if you cross it, I'm not helping you. And then it's not like a, she goes, well, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do it anyway. She's like, oh, okay, we'll find another way then. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're right. As the words came out of my mouth, I heard myself. I didn't like it either. I didn't like where I went with that. But no ideas, do, bad ideas during brainstorming, right, guys? Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just. Child abduction, just throwing it out there, throwing it out there. We got to chuck some noodles at the wall. Not all of those noodles are going to stick, but that's why this is a safe space between the two of us. Well, and it's so funny, too, because earlier, I mean, it, it kind of harkens back to what you were saying earlier, where the the quote-unquote villain of this movie briefly toys with the idea of using someone else as leverage and then is is walked down by someone else. Whereas the hero of this film is constantly used for leverage by his sort of softly maybe actually the villain mentor Hank Pym who does not care about anything that happens to him or anyone around him I think my actual favorite scene of this movie is when Ghost is explaining how her villain dumb came to be such as it is and she does this incredibly relatable speech about how her father was working with Hank Pym and he wanted to do something differently. So Hank Pym discredited him and ruined his life. And this is a perfect (laughs) point for someone in the room to be like, you're wrong or that isn't how it happened. But Hank himself and all of the people who he has recently alienated in his own life are like, yeah, that checks out. That's probably what he did. <laughs> and then You're absolutely right. And then there is just a very quick line afterwards, like, and he's working on something. He's like, oh, yeah, but her, her dad uh, was a traitor. He, he stole my stuff. And then you're like, oh, oh, okay. So he was a bad guy. It's like, no, 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 no. That, that very much reads of like revisionist, like 
<laughs> like you had a few hours to sort of think about a reason why those actions would have been justified. And then you just kind of like slip it into conversation where it's like, all <laughs> my stuff. That's not even you literally, they get arrested by the FBI and yeah. escape. Like the amount of laws these people break is insane. And he's like, well, he took some of my things, <laughs> but it's also, it's also, we, we see in this movie, this is a pattern of behavior for, uh, for Hank Pym, right? Like the, they go to see Lawrence Fishburne uh, in that his office, and he goes, "Oh, I see. Like you're only here because you finally got so you finally grew big enough to match your ego." And then like they're just constantly sniping at each other about if he quit or whether Hank fired him. And like Hank's like he's not smart. This man is like a professor at a university teaching like quantum mechanics, and Hank Pym's like he's not smart. He's not good enough. It's like, so, so you see him alienating people. We see Hank Pym being like, oh, you, uh, uh, Scott, you have one thing that might help me in my incredibly selfish endeavor, uh, to which I've poured so many resources into that I'm going to jeopardize your parole three days before you're out. <laughs> Three and maybe maybe stop you from ever seeing your young daughter again. And like in his head, he just, there's no there's no there's no switch that goes off. Going, I'm trying to get my wife back because my daughter was hurt when she was abandoned by her mother. <laughs> True. Therefore, I'm going to make Scott abandon his daughter in order to like it's. <laughs> like, Pip is constantly doing some some complicated mental gymnastics to justify himself. And then, I believe, sleeping like a baby afterwards. Every yes. <laughs> it makes, I feel like this is part of what makes uh, Paul Rudd in this movie so relatable, is that he feels like that girl that we all know or maybe have been, who's like, oh my God, I'm dating this guy. I know he was really mean to his first girlfriend and his second girlfriend <laughs> and his third girlfriend. And he dumped his fourth girlfriend on a boat at his sister's <laughs> wedding where she didn't know anyone and still had to be on the boat until the wedding was over because so she was just there but it won't happen to me <laughs> there is no reason to believe that Hank Pym wouldn't abandon you at the easiest and earliest opportunity I mean well, that, he does it to his own wife <laughs> he doesn't true. go back to get her until he is 100% sure he can do it how is this not something that you were actively working on constantly if you're this torn up about it you were so willing to risk somebody else's life you know what i mean you weren't willing to risk your own until you were like i'm pretty sure it'll work <laughs> that's the only time you were willing to dive in there this woman's been chilling okay and just as a side note this has nothing to do with heroes or villains but that scene where she speaks through Paul Rudd, through Ant-Man. I'm like, that is the biggest boner killer I've ever seen. I would never <laughs> date that person after that. You were my mother. You were my mother for a minute, okay? And I just can't ever unsee that. I can't ever get over it. You will never be inside of me, ever. <laughs> So true, Rebecca. Oh, That's oh, really oh. so true. If someone you were thinking of dating yes. come to your face and said, I'm your mom, oh. 
We're done. Your mom is inside of me right now. Mm, 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 <laughs> There's no way that no. that pee is touching my V or yeah, whatever. This is over. This is shut it down. We're this is over. <laughs> my mom lo- could be at you at any point. Sorry. No. I love the idea that like that scene happens and eventually Lily's just like, nope, nope, that's it. Shut it down. Franchise <laughs> over. <laughs> no, no Ant-Man 3. We're not going to be back for Avengers. <laughs> Don't even get resolution on this story. Just fucking done and just walk us. The movie just ends. I had to put yeah. up a title card. The actors refused to continue filming this movie. We had to release the footage we had. And after this, Ant-Man went back to his planet. Like the Simpsons. Uh, I will say, though, um, this movie did something really, really uh, nice, which is... I realized how well it set up the uh, Scott reuniting with his daughter in uh, Endgame. Mm. Um, Like they do so much to build that relationship in this movie, showing how much he actually cares for her, how much she respects him and like how he's actually like a good, good parent. Um, Yeah. And I was just like the whole time I was watching it, I was very much aware of, this movie and all the legwork it did is the only reason that payoff worked in Endgame. And like arguably could have been a scene that you didn't need in Endgame too. Like they could have ended on the cutting room floor, but I think like this gave that the emotional weight where they're like, Oh no, we need to show this. Cause, cause we've done such a good job of forming this relationship that we need to have some sort of resolution and, and catharsis for that. I agree. Their dynamic is so charming, Um, especially in counterpoint to to Michael Douglas and everyone who he has relationships with. I mean, as old generation of Ant-Man and new generation of Ant-Man, every scene that Michael Douglas has sort of like, it's not my fault. He's kind of skeletor in my mind. And And then to balance that, they build this this lovely, gentle dynamic between this this father and daughter. Which really helps turn this turn this movie about a psychotic scientist who refuses to abide by the law or <laughs> common decency really come out nice in the end. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I do love one line though, which like we've said on this podcast before that there are definitely movies that were made before the pandemic, and there are movies that will come afterwards. Oh, yeah. And the one line in this, which was, "You try and entertain a ten year old in the house by yourself." <laughs> And I was just like, oh, 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 that's not as funny as it was no. before. <laughs> it's hitting different. <laughs> yes. I, at the beginning of this movie, all I kept thinking is, I was like, can we not escape this concept? Can I watch one movie <laughs> or one thing where it doesn't relate back to me being locked inside the home? I hate this. It's so true. I, I, I mean, I feel like it didn't even register to me, but now I'm thinking back and being like, and here's a guy complaining about being in his three-story house that's so large he can make an entire box maze kind of uh, soft heist situation, including a slide down the side of the house. Yo, that slide was so dangerous. I do not accept. I do not accept. If I'm, if I'm she that was wearing mother, a helmet. No, if, I, if I'm the mother and I'm rolling up to that place... I'm shutting it down. There's no way. I'm like, are you kidding me? And you're behind her. So if you slam into something, you just take her with you. That's great. Yeah. One at a time, please. One. There's a reason why there is a 
upset teenager at the top of every fucking fair ride okay <laughs> because there needs to be at least one point of regulation here one person at a time how tall are you we need these things okay this slide is dangerous this is the most passionate and necessary defense i've ever seen of the surly teens who exist to basically ruin the fun you're about to have yeah. like we all remember that feeling of getting to the slot being top of a slide being like oh god i'm a man now like here it comes Comes. No one can stop me. I'm Han Solo for all you know. And then some surly teen being like, slow the fuck down. You're like, well, all right. well, that's the shine taken off of that. Yeah, they, they, they check you back to your place in the world, I think, pretty quick. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. No, you're right. I am small. I don't deserve mm-hmm. nice things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. And uh, the uh, I will say the most unrealistic thing about that whole setup to me now was like, and keep in mind, this is a movie uh, where like, we shrink and, and control ants. Like, but the most unrealistic thing to me was like, man, look at all the activities Scott is doing in his house when he's by himself. Like he's learning skills and he's setting up courses. And I was just like, that's not what you do when you're locked in the house for two years. It's like you become a lump on the couch and you struggle to get up every day. You're not, you're not learning how to bounce balls off of hallways or like learning close up magic. I was like, he took on way too much oh god that that was the thing that took me out of the movie (laughs) it's true he successfully completed any course like all of my energy was hardest towards the most ridiculous ends in that i psychotically purchased a bunch of different lentils then i made a complex inventory of my different lentils do i one year later have multiple bags of lentils that i don't know what to do with you're absolutely right but i think a part of me in like a frenetic manic lockdown energy was like well this could be currency in the new world (laughs) there was nowhere in my lentil space where i i had the capacity to sit down and be like maybe i'll learn the drums no 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 oh my god i'm too busy counting beads oh that's so fun there was no universe where i thought you were going to end that sentence with lentils like there was no way i could have ever guessed that you could have gave me a thousand years that's Sometimes very funny i just I open like my pantry door and i look at the lentils so i'm like you're really in it now you son of a bitch you're like what really the fuck are we gonna do <laughs> This this maybe is telling for me, but uh, you, you organize those by color there, Jocelyn? You got a nice, like, rainbow thing going on in there? You know it. Not only did I purchase multiple lentils, I purchased multiple tins for the lentils. And then a label maker for the lentils. And there's a beautiful array of pulses in my pantry. It looks great. Don't know what to do. Also... Never used a lentil my entire life. (laughs) Do not know how to cook them. (laughs) Look at the lentils every now and again. I'm like, well, I probably have a bit of soft IBS, so I also can't eat these lentils. (laughs) I can't benefit. (laughs) Who will benefit? (laughs) One day in the zombie apocalypse when I am a bloated corpse on the floor, (laughs) some raiders will come in. Trying to avoid zombies, and they will find a pantry fully stocked with dried lentils ready for the eating, and they'll be like, thank you, bloated corpse, who couldn't make it through the apocalypse. Thank you for your your color-coded lentil <laughs> pantry. That's absolutely my ambition, us. is to be that person in the video game who the actual hero stops in and is like, what the hell happened here? You yes. find all, all sorts of letters all over the yeah. ground. Inventory for lentils. <laughs> 
doctor's report over how she can't eat lentils. <laughs> Who was this person? <laughs> we don't like her. <laughs> We're glad she's gone. Oh, my God. Uh. Oh, that's good. That's good. And that's why none of us were tapped to write Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> We're all broken. <laughs> it's a much different movie if uh, Paul Rudd is just sitting at the kitchen counter counting lentils rather than <laughs> learning how to Somebody drum. Somebody walks or... in in the middle of the movie. Listen, lentils are really important to the plot. You just you can't. You got to watch it from the start to understand. <laughs> the ants maybe are going to use those lentils. We don't know yet. You gotta you gotta <laughs> hang out and watch. <laughs> Going to be relevant. Speaking of the ants, can we talk about the kind of soft ant slavery that occurs throughout yes. this film that makes me uncomfortable? There's a, a comic set piece towards the end of this film where our titular Ant-Man accidentally or maybe a bit on purpose offers multiple ants that he summoned up to the birds to die <laughs> in a way that really lays bare like... They really did enslave these ants with no real feeling as to what was going to happen to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was the only scene that got me. I didn't have that feeling at all because everybody's just kind of like helping and shit. So I'm like, oh, yeah, like if I was an ant and you needed to take over for skills for, you know, an hour, that's fine. You know, <laughs> I, I'm up for charity. I'm in. OK, you can punch my uh, card or whatever we have to do here. But like the second I'm flying in and you're like, I'm getting eaten. The change locations, man. After the first one, you got to know, Hey, maybe this won't work. Let's go maybe back to the beach or something. I don't know. Like, let's go, let's go to the boardwalk. Let's try and flag down somebody else. This isn't the location for this. <laughs> yeah. Let's switch up the approach ever so slightly. No, yeah. continue. Down. I don't know Very if this good. makes me a terrible person, but I don't give a shit about ants. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just I'm like your mindless drones you just all obey the queen it's like I don't think an individual ant cares who's oh. giving the orders you know Somebody really didn't learn the lesson that needed to be learned in bug's life and I think <laughs> maybe you need to take a step back and reflect <laughs> Really love the idea of Craig with his arms crossed and the charming film of Bugs Life. Well, that's not what would happen at all. No, they're all drones. I think they should be dead. Rooting for the grasshopper. I identify well, with the grasshopper. This episode of The Villain Was Right. We're covering a Bugs Life. A real Listen, dark side to Craig. They gave up. <laughs> their independence and their free thought through evolution where they all decided to band together as these big communal insects. Uh, that's, that's, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. <laughs> but, but it's important to note that this really positions either generation of Ant-Man as basically the soft leader of maybe an MLM space where all of these ants have just showed up to be like, I'm willing, I'm here. Got a lot of fun spit, which I can rub on things. Is that what we do? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If I, re if I recruit five people, I have to do less. I'm just I trying to get a little less work on my plate here. So if you spread the pheromones, then more people follow the pheromones. <laughs> and then they can spread the pheromones. And, and before you know it, we got a line just to this giant pack of sugar, and it's heaven, baby. So the more those... people you sign up, <laughs> the longer line we can make to this sugar cube. Which sort of softly <laughs> suggests that every ant in that lineup is like thinking to themselves, like, I'm going to be rich. 
All I need to do is pheromone five things. These fucking idiots after me. They're going to get less for sure. Wait till everybody from high school hears about this. Oh, yeah. Well, right after I'm gonna... this, I'm jumping on Ant Book to tell everyone about what I'm up to. Hey, no, you haven't heard from me in a while, but do I have an opportunity from you? Block, 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 block. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Just two final things for me. I can't believe how far off topic we got. This is great. (laughs) I guess ants count as on topic for Ant-Man, which is, uh, I uh, first of all, Michael Pena in this is so fucking funny. I... (laughs) <laughs> cannot believe how funny he is in this. Like, as I said, like, his his whole truth serum thing, like, one, when they're arguing about whether or not truth serum actually exists, and then how he's telling all these stories about where <laughs> Scott is emotionally, uh, and all the other characters are just, uh, like, miming, and it's his voice talking. It killed me the second time around. It was so funny. Uh, it's so absolutely wonderful. I... I, I Ah, it, I, it blows my mind how funny he is in this movie. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. Plus, anytime there's a character where if they're in a tough situation, they start talking more, I immediately identify with that person. <laughs> I'm like, that is me. <laughs> Absolutely. If I was being tortured, I'd be like, here's my whole life story. What do you need? Like, let's go. I'm very nervous. I'm laughing a lot. Don't don't mix those two messages. It's just like a thing I do. I can't help it. (laughs) Yeah, no, like I was killing me that. And I honestly like I laughed like so much harder than I ever should have at small Paul Rudd in a sweater. I like I was you know when you're killing yourself too hard and you're like, am I sad? Like, am I okay? Because like I am too into this right now. Like this is not the comedy brilliance that that I think it is. Maybe, but I just could, I was like almost crying, laughing every time they cut to him running. I was like, this is perfect. This is all I've ever wanted. Yeah. I'm just gonna watch this on loop. <laughs> That's most of what you saw. I know yeah. exactly that feeling, though. It's kind of like when you're the the most hyper one at the sleepover, laughing really hard at 1 a.m. Yeah. And you're like, either this is the funniest thing that's ever happened or everyone's a bit mad at me and I can't tell which is which. <laughs> I'm very young. I'm very hyper. Oh, yeah. And the other, the other thing, the other quick point I wanted to make was uh, I think they underused her a little bit in this, but anytime Judy Greer is in anything, I love it. Like, I love that she is part of the MCU. I love that. She, I love that she's not a villain as the ex-wife, and like the the stepdad isn't the villain in this. They're actually quite helpful and supportive. Uh, but yeah, chronically underused in this movie. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of comedy heavy hitters in this movie. Yeah, I think the whole thing was cast up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how could you fight any casting decision on this movie? Everything's excellent in it. It's a really fun watch. Like, I had a fun time watching it. It seemed to, like, because some, some of the superhero movies, I'm like, all right, team, two and a half hours. Let's take a seat. <laughs> like, let's, you know what I mean? But this one really just, like, snapped along. I didn't really see the two hours go by. It was a lot of fun. One more point I did want to make about Ghost is I thought that she was already a fully sympathetic character And then on top of it, they added in, they were like, oh, yeah, also, I was tortured. (laughs) 
Like, can you? I was like, we didn't even need it. We didn't even need it. And you just, you just pour on that sympathy. Like, come on, how is this girl a villain? It's literally like, yeah, they tortured me, and then they were gonna kill me. Like, <laughs> let her try and survive. Understand? Team up, work together. A conversation, a quick conversation, could have solved a lot of this. You know what I mean? Listen, we're gonna help you out. We're gonna figure out how to make both these things happen at the same time. Let's see what we can do. (laughs) I totally agree with that. I feel like in addition, in addition to that, I just wanted to add that um, you're right. Instead of having a conversation with this clearly ill woman, they decide to torture her as the main characters harder at the end of the, like this movie ends with someone hitting her with a car that just came out of quantum space, (laughs) knowing full well how unwell she is. And then, and then Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer softly promising to harness quantum energy to cure her and then instantly disappearing in the snap, which means Ghost was like, finally, my long struggle is over. I finally have the help of the scientist who can save me. And then they disappeared, which means she's right back at square one and probably madder at Hank Pym now. Yeah, you would almost hope that she got snapped, that she was just like, I'm I'm gone and then I'll I'll be back and back to status quo when everything gets back to normal. Which, yes, would help a little bit. But I also feel like Hank Pym, I mean, now both of the Ant-Man movies have have involved someone that Hank Pym has alienated in his long and storied career. So it feels like we're really setting ourselves up for part three being like, you know, her being like, remember me, the person you made a major promise to? And him being like, I can't keep track of the major promises I've broken. It's most of them. I don't like to think about that kind of thing. Yeah, one way or another way. She's she's not doing great. I wanted to pitch one more question because I was wondering if this was just something I missed. Because sometimes that happens. You miss one sentence that explains like a lot of extra stuff. Does gravity apply to the lab when it's small? Ooh, okay. Because I so... found that part very confusing because they were jostling around a lot and it was like, oh, we can't go up yet, but or like we can't go out of this realm yet because we're not big. Like we need to be big to be able to get out or oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like they're literally like throwing this thing around. This guy like carries it to a boat, which is always, you know, <laughs> checkmate for everybody. Ha ha, I'm on a boat. <laughs> you can't get me anymore. There's water in between us. Um, but the entire time I was like, when they get out of this, like, wouldn't this whole place be thrashed? Like, I would just I would assume so. that the this, like, quantum ray whatever, that's got to be dead. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, probably pretty thing... delicate. Like, not something you want to, like, throw around like your luggage, you know? Yeah, like, well, you, that's what I was you put thinking. a Nintendo Switch in a protective case, I imagine. Yeah, like, so, <laughs> does somebody need to, like, blow on this or something at least once to get it to activate or something? Like, it feels like if there's one wire loose, this thing wouldn't fucking work how is this like being like thrown around like a dodgeball and then they're like well we're fine (laughs) i'm not going through it (laughs) it's don't think about it uh one thing that did yeah (laughs) i will say one thing that did bother me was that uh they're like yeah we just uh, pop up our office wherever it happens to be but i okay let's say you can uh shrink and make a building big fine uh you know what it won't have though is sewer water or hydro hookups that's oh, a very yeah. good point. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about foundation every like, also when they that pop too. up that, that that building at the end where they're like, we're gonna retire. This is our like nice house or whatever. I was like, 
you can't just do that. Do you know anything about buildings, man? <laughs> like, you need, like, concrete. You need, like, this thing is going to be so uneven. You put a marble on that floor, it's going to the other end of the room. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> not, okay. all, not only that, they put it on a beach. That's, yes, all, that's uh, on fucking sand. A sandy beach right next to the water. I believe yeah, there's some old thing saying don't build your house on sand. Like, that's a, that's a common <laughs> saying. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Both of you are absolutely right. I mean, one thing that kind of makes me feel a bit simultaneously grateful and crazy about this movie is that there don't seem to be any rules around when you yeah. embiggen or in yourself. It's just really as you please. But it does mean you're right that Hank Pym is constantly demanding that people show up to a work in a building that stinks of piss because <laughs> the toilets don't work at all ever. And, <laughs> and if you stay there for long enough, you realize you're working on a slant because the building has full on sunk into the ground. <laughs> Ant-Man 3 opens with Michelle Pfeiffer underwater and Michelle and Michael Douglas being like, I don't know what to do about it. So I left. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> she oh. might be down there. She might not be. I don't know. Leave her there. <laughs> If, if I see a scuba diver, I'll be like, okay, maybe I could do it. <laughs> uh, but I want to just sit and look at the clouds for a while. I'm very tired from endangering everyone else. Uh, but I think that does it uh, for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, maybe time for our definitive rankings of how good the villain is. Uh, I've got, uh, I, of course, am doing uh, Ava Ghost uh, this mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I did uh, I did the really, bi uh, the really small to the really big scale, uh, a.k.a. the scale scale. Uh, so from the width of an atom to the width of the universe, uh, I am giving uh, Ghost a whatever scale threading a needle happens at because it's a huge pain, <laughs> finicky as hell, and as soon as you get it, it slips away again, and no one should have to live with dealing with this. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking drives me crazy. I can't handle it. <laughs> How about you, Jocelyn? What do you have? Well, I also wanted to rank Ghost for this. So just ranking her on a scale of famous ghosts from Ghost of Christmas Present to a Poltergeist Brackets Unpleasant, <laughs> I rate her as a Casper because she's cute, she's little, and her main problem is that she mostly misses her dad. <laughs> she's nice. She's a nice yeah. lady. So I've got um, I've got the shitty desk scale. <laughs> um, so from an ironing board... Uh, to a horse's back, um, I am going to give Ghost a uh, secondhand IKEA kitchen table. Um, you can see the faults, but definitely still worth keeping up. Okay, it's going to work great as a desk. You you, you got to keep her around. Absolutely. Have you used a horse's back as a table? Well, you can. Okay. <laughs> You, you got to write a quick note. You know what I mean? As long as you're not behind it, I you should be so. fine. <laughs> <laughs> what this has conjured in my mind about the life you have been leading is exciting Listen. to me. <laughs> this is, this is a great part. Cowboys need to make grocery lists too, people. Okay. God damn. <laughs> this is why the podcast rewards regular listeners is because occasionally you just get these little drops of wisdom from Rebecca that really just put together a whole puzzle. <laughs> really? we've, we've just put... <laughs> Uses horses back as a desk up on the bulletin board. We don't have any string attached to it yet, but it will explain something a little bit. Oh man. 
really oh. makes me think of you being the protagonist of some kind of Western where there is a full-on stage coast chase. And as the heroes are kind of weaving back and forth, they just see a woman casually typing on a typewriter <laughs> on a parallel horse's back. And when they're like, ma'am, what's happening? <laughs> Your response is, cowboys need to make grocery lists to the most mysterious thing a person can say <laughs> before disappearing forever. Presumably, to go grocery shopping. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So we will get to our heroes and villains of the week uh, where we discuss people who have inspired or supported us in our personal lives in a little bit. But first, a couple ways that you guys can help out the podcast. So uh, first of all, if uh, if you enjoy the podcast, oh, my God, guys, thank you so much for, for listening. Uh, you can help us out uh, by just maybe leaving a quick uh, one sentence review, a nice five star review that helps uh, people discover the podcast and uh, helps the algorithms and all the rest. Um, as well, if you want to reach out to us and maybe give us a suggestion for a movie or just, you know, general compliments, we we, we will also accept. Uh, you can get in touch with us a whole bunch of ways. We are on Twitter. That's our main one, uh, at VWR Podcast. That's VWR, as in Villain Was Right Podcast on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, The Villain Was Right. And uh, uh, as well, you can email us at villainwasright at gmail. Dot com and as well if you maybe have a couple bucks you can as throw always away. we have patreon of course we have patreon we're a podcast uh so you can hit us up at patreon.com slash villain was right we've got a couple of great tiers if you're looking for extra content our highest tier gets you uh two bonus episodes a month where craig and i are loosey-goosey we still haven't nailed one intro i think to any of those <laughs> episodes not once it's very awkward but we have a lot of fun and we get weird with it so if you're looking for those episodes if you're already a patreon hit us up if you want to see something different if you want to hear about something let us know we want to we want to cater to you guys what do you want to hear about we'll do it for you uh this month we are covering um what we do in the shadows is craig's pick and mine is again to to be announced so we'll uh, look forward to that later this month and now it is time uh, for heroes and villains of the week um, I've got a casual one, casual, okay? I wanted to uh, follow up uh, last week's episode. Um, this is my one and only time I've ever gone snowboarding. This is the story of this week. <laughs> one and only time I've gone snowboarding because I am not a balanced person. Take that how you will. <laughs> I'm not a balanced person, all right? So this, I can't, I, I don't even know how old I was, maybe like 13, 14, something like that. Um, and we go to this place, it's like a school field trip, right? And we go to this place outside of Lindsay, and it is like, I cannot, I cannot express how baby soft this run is, okay? Like, it's the bunny hill. That's where I'm hanging out. That's where I reside, okay? I'm not going off of this hill, okay? I'm on the learner's hill. And I take my first run down. Doesn't doesn't go good. You know what I mean? A lot of falling, a lot of injury, okay? So I'm like, all right, we're going to, you know, get back on it. We're going to do it again, right? Again, a lot of falling, a lot of injury. Um, if children get in front of me, I have to yell at them to get out of the way because <laughs> I can't turn. So people from the lift are just seeing me scream, moving my arm, get out of the way, get out of the way, I can't turn. And I'm screaming at people, half of my size, just zipping around me, zippity doo dah, whatever, skiing, snowboarding, they're 
freaking killing me, right? They're absolutely nailing it. Anyway, <laughs> I get to, I'm like completely bruised. Like I'm so injured. I'm so injured. I don't know if anybody, if you've ever experienced this, people are recognizing me from the lift. Okay. <laughs> like they're coming down and they're going, did you, were you that girl that just took like took out a child on the hill? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like whatever. Right. So we get to the end. And I'm like, I'm damaged. Okay. People have been recognizing me all. Somebody bought me a drink, <laughs> like not like an alcoholic drink, obviously, but somebody like, I got an extra Coke for you. Cause you seemed like you, you're having a day. <laughs> like that's how much I was falling down this hill. Finally, it's the last run. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to, yeah, we're going to do it. Okay. I have to prove to myself that I can snowboard. I can do this. I'm going to make a full run. I'm not going to fall. Okay. I get down, I, I, I take the lift up, all stoked. I do it, perfect run. Guys, perfect run. I get down, this is the only run of the day where I make it down to the bottom of the hill and I haven't fallen. And I do, you know what I mean? I'm trying to be cool because I, I nailed it, right? So I'm trying to do one of those quick turns to stop. I'm like, oh yeah, quick turn, we're at the end. I quick turn and then I swear to God, like some sort of slow motion, I fall the slowest I've ever fallen. Okay, it's like slow-mo backward. Like I could feel, and I just can't rebalance myself. Like it's coming and I'm just like still in the air, it feels like. And I fall down on my tailbone and... It, which had obviously previously been thrashed, I'm assuming. And do you ever get so, do you ever get injured and you're just like, if I move, I will cry. <laughs> like I just sat there for a full two minutes, again, yelling at children to go around me. <laughs> <laughs> While I sat there and was just so devastated with my life, I had to go home. I had a bath every night that week. I was like, <laughs> I had completely bruised my fucking tailbone. And anyway, the point of that is I was definitely a villain in that story. <laughs> I yelled at so many children that was much more skilled than I was. Okay. And I will tell you that is the only time I've ever gone snowboarding. I've never gone back. <laughs> I don't blame you. Snowboarding is a hell sport. I mean, the idea of strapping knives or one large knife to your feet and and preventing you from moving properly is hell. Yeah. No, it's it, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why people do it. I don't know why people find it thrilling. I especially when people are like, yeah, it's like I, you know, I put, I pack a Mickey and I'm like drinking. I'm like, you're drinking? I would take my head off. There's no way you can introduce alcohol to this man. I can barely walk. I'm hitting walls. You can't strap something else to the bottom of me and expect it to go good. Okay, it's just not. <laughs> Anyway, so that would be my uh, my villain of the week is me, which is eh, happens a lot on this podcast. <laughs> what do you got for us, Jocelyn? Oh, God. OK, I mean, this, I think, is going to make me sound like a bit of a bad person, but bear with me. So my villain of the week is the concept of, of trying to strike up a casual conversation on the street in our current climate. Um, I was trying to walk my dog. Um, who is one of the great loves of my life. And we ran into uh, a person who I'd hired to dog walk her a couple of times. Now, as we all are, I've got like 12 masks on my face. I am someone who wears glasses, which means the fog coming out of my mask renders me functionally unable to see at all times. Walking the dog has become the most dangerous thing I do a day 
often several times a day. And I'm not feeling good while it's happening because I can't see for shit. So I'm standing there, unable to see, unable to communicate. And this dog walker is trying to have a conversation with me, being like, so how's it going? What have you been up to? How's how's the dog? How How's life? And I was like, I can't. I can't talk to you right now <laughs> at all, obviously. <laughs> I get that we're all doing our best at the moment, and it's important to connect, but I also think we need to provide grace to one another in these moments where we're clearly having a tough time, um, as I was trying to manipulate my dog. It, it should also be noted that my dog, dearly though I love her, is a former street dog who views the streets of Toronto as an all-you-can-eat buffet. And <laughs> trying to walk the dog, I would say, is a desperate quest to try to remain sighted while also preventing my dog from eating many garbagey things. And Toronto is very bad for this. Like, I once walked by an entire rump roast sitting out on the street. <laughs> it's like, I'm in... A Wolfenstein game. Like, if I, I walk by a wall, I'm going to find a two liter of Pepsi and a full chicken on the ground. <laughs> so this is my sort of mean, solipsistic, please leave me alone while I'm walking the dog. A nice person in a villainous context. Nice. Yeah. No, we're not above uh, chastising people talking to us in public oh, on yeah. this Never. podcast. Never. It's been a, it's been a villain uh, more than once uh, <laughs> for more than one person. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, for me, I've got I've got a hero uh, this week, and uh, this is actually one where I went back through all our old episodes, and I cannot believe I have not told this story yet uh, because it stays with me so much, and it, it's it's this weird. Uh, moment that I keep going back to. Um, so what happened was, uh, this was uh, a few years ago in the before times, and uh, I was just um, going somewhere on the Toronto subway, and I got on, and sitting in the subway car was uh, a bunch of uh, African women in their hijabs, and they were about six to eight of them all just sitting in a group. And at first, I didn't think anything of it. I just kind of went and stood at the end of the subway car, but then it very quickly became apparent what was going on. And that is that one of these women was telling the funniest story in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, they're not, spe I don't know what language they're speaking. All I know is I did not speak it, but it is, it was one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen because here are these women and it's very clear who is telling the story because she is the only one even attempting to speak. <laughs> the rest of them are, are laughing so hard that like you could tell it was painful. Just like the, you have laughed so hard that you've pushed all the air out of your lungs. Like they were grabbing their sides. They were like rocking back and forth in the seats. Tears streaming down their face. They're laughing so hard. And, and the woman telling the story does the thing that we have all done when we're telling uh, these, uh, you know, or, or been a part of these uh, groups where like something fu really funny has been being said, where she just gets one or two words. She's just barely able to squeak out <laughs> one or two words from her laughing so hard. And then that sent everybody into like another fit of laughter, right? <laughs> like just like it barely eked out of her and it just destroyed this group. And um, that has just stayed with me for so long 
because, and I was thinking about why. I was like, first of all, this, this is just a beautiful moment, but why has this stuck with me for so long? And I think it is because we all know and we can all say that, you know, people have a lot in common and that we're all inherently the same kinds of people and we have the same wants and desires and, and all the rest. Like there's a common human uh, thing and common human experience. But there are occasionally just moments like this uh, that you are fortunate enough to see that allow you to feel that. Uh, and it was just really nice. And it was just the most beautiful thing in the world is watching. And I, I, I don't know if I want to know what the story is or not. I think it's better if I don't. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's got to be the funniest story in the world. And, and I just love it. It just stays with me forever. So that's my hero of the week. That's so nice. Oh, my goodness. Well, it, it we're we're wrapping up, team. Um, where can everybody follow you, Jocelyn? What do you oh. or do you have anything maybe to promote? Ooh, well, um, uh, I as as um, was mentioned at the beginning of the show, also co-host a podcast on the From Superheroes Network. It's called I Hate It But I Love It. We talk about all the pop culture we love and hate simultaneously. I do it with Craig's sweet babu, Cat Angus. Um, this month we're having a romantic comedy month and we're talking about the Thomas Crown Affair, so come check that out. Cat loves that movie and I had <laughs> maybe deeply personal problems with it for some <laughs> unknown reason. <laughs> Weird. Um, and you can also check out my work. I... I in a way that might be alarming to some given how profane I am, right for children a lot. Um, and the Snoopy show is coming out on Apple TV, so you should check that out. It's very fun and cute. If you have kids, it will be a nice piece of entertainment for them. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jocelyn Getty, where I talk a lot of garbage, usually about my dog or about otters, who I also like. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and you can grab me at Craig Fay Comedy on Facebook, Twitter, uh, CraigFay.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. Listen yeah, to my yeah. podcast. You've heard of this one before. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, you can follow me at Rebecca Reads on any platform of your choosing. Uh, guys, next week we are going to be covering, uh, it's a Patreon audience choice. Guys, Bridget Jones's Diary. Um I'm so excited. I am. I love a good rom-com. This is going to be, it's going to be a great month. We're going to, truly exciting times we live in. Um, and again, as always, this is us from The Villain Was Right, reminding you that sick people are allowed to be grumpy. <laughs> The Villain Was Right was produced by Andrew Ivamy for the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as YouTube series, webcomics, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com. <laughs>